Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. We got a terrific Friday show for you as I record this open from the uh, Memphis International Airport. Nothing like getting a flight delayed a couple hours. Uh, we've got episode four of the Nick Broker Show. Nick talks about game week, everything that goes into preparation for that, Kiffin's unique approach to a walkthrough, the depth on the offensive line, and all kinds of other stuff. And then we've got picks with LB's Greg and Skybox as we hit week one of the college football season. It's a loaded show. Buckle up. But before we get to that, I wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by MIMS Insurance. Matt Mims is an independent insurance agent based in Oxford. You need to hit him up for all of your insurance needs. Everything's expensive right now. Inflation's high. Gas is expensive. Groceries are expensive. When it comes to getting things insured, you don't want to leave money on the table there. The insuring process can be overwhelming. You don't know which provider to go with. You don't know what type of coverage to get. You don't know what's the best deal and what's not. Take all of that away by just calling Matt Mims at 601-218-7854 and let him handle it for you. He's an independent agent based in Oxford. Whatever you need insured, whether it's a house, a car, a boat, congrats on the boat, that's pretty sick. Um, I don't know, life insurance, whatever you need, he can get it done for you. He shops your quote around to 10 different agencies and his entire job is to make sure you get the best possible rate for whatever it is you need insured. So his only goal here is to listen to what you need. He'll shop it around and bring it back to you. And boom, the process is over. There's no hassle. He's taking care of the legwork for you. Check him out there. I wouldn't send you anyone I don't trust. Matt Mims has been a good friend of mine for a long time. Anywhere in the state of Mississippi, he's based in Oxford, but anywhere across the Magnolia State that you need insured, he can help you out. No problem. Check him out there. Mims Insurance at 601 218 Seven eight five four. That's his personal cell. He's going to pick up and he's going to make all of your insurance needs easy and painless. Check him out, Matt Mims, there in Oxford. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Ran into the guys at Skybox over the weekend. They crushed it in week zero. They gave the week zero picks away for free. You hope you took advantage of that. Now, once you have, go buy a picks package as football season gets cranked up. Go buy the season pass. For NFL and college, I'd recommend just going along with a uh, Skybox full year pass. I didn't even do the traditional ad intro. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox major journal and advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. This is a disaster of an ad read, but you know it's not Skybox making you money. They're going to have a picks package to fit your price range. Whatever sport you like, however long you want to do it, a week, a month, a day, a season, go all sports. Whatever it is, go check them out on the site. They're going to have something that fits your price range, and they're going to lead you to profit more consistently than your own brain. This is the bankroll season. You got everything ready to go. This is going to be the year you finally profit. If you go off your own knowledge, that's probably not going to be the case. If you use Skybox, they're going to actually lead you to profit, and you're going to get to the end of the year and be like, wow, that was awesome having that amount of supplementary income. Big week for Skybox last week. Had a lot of guys reaching out about the promo code. Use promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E. That'll get you 20% off any purchase. Glad to have those guys on board. Skyboxsportspicks.com. All right. Here is Nick Broker. Welcome to, to another edition of the Nick Broker Show presented by the Young Alumni Collective. Nick looking sharp in his specs on the other end, like a uh, well-to-do businessman. You are also an SEC offensive lineman. Four days away, three days away, depending on when you listen to this, away from the season opener. Um, someone brought up at a press conference the other day. I may have asked you this already, but have you played a home opener in front of a full crowd? Because y'all went Memphis, COVID, Atlanta. Is this your first one? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it like that, yeah. Because like you said, we went Memphis and it was a COVID year. And then last year's Atlanta. So, yeah. That's something we kind of talked about. You know, I'm really excited to kind of kick the season off at home when it's like, you know, a real crowd and everything. Absolutely. And it should be a good crowd. I know season tickets are at an all time high. And hey, when you guys win football games like that, that's kind of what happens. People start buying tickets and they show up in droves. So it should be a uh, a fun atmosphere. You guys have been out of camp um, almost two weeks now, right? Your last week was kind of like a mock game week. I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. So Kiffin mentioned the whole week last week being a mock game week. 
you lead up into a scrimmage. He was talking about how you guys actually do like a walkthrough on Thursday and then kind of like a sort of like fast mini practice that's not really a walkthrough on Friday. He cited some reason about Olympic something and muscle building that I either didn't understand or was just way too complicated for some schmuck like me. What is that like? What is he talking about there towards the end of the week? What's that like? Yeah, so Thursdays are pretty light for us. And then, like you said, you know, Fridays we still have like kind of a practice. Uh, we're just in helmets, but, you know, we call it Fast Friday. And I think like the reasoning behind it is, you know, you let your body rest on Thursday and then you kind of get everything fired up again Friday so you can feel good for Saturday. And whatever the actual science behind it is, like in technical terms, you know, it works. So, uh, you know, I've always felt really good every Saturday since he's been here. Did you guys do that under the last coaching staff? Did you do it in high school? Is that a new thing? You mentioned it works. It sounds like you maybe could sense something like, oh, actually, I feel pretty good going into a game. Like, have you done that before? Or was that new? The Fast Friday dynamic was pretty new to me. When Coach Luke was here, we kind of just had more walkthrough style stuff the day before the game. Um, so, and that was really good as well. You know, I've, I don't think anybody had any issues with that. Um, you know, I was – I've always felt pretty good for a game. It's kind of hard not to when you have so much adrenaline going. But with Coach Kiffin, like, the system seems to really work, too. He mentioned the Fast Friday piece where, like, you guys did the first one for, like, the game week prep. And then he kind of about 20 minutes in or so, he realized, like, damn, we got a lot of new people here. Like, people, some of these guys don't know where to go. They've never done a new Fast Friday. What is he kind of talking about when he means that? Obviously, a guy like you, you older guys, know where to go, kind of know the process. But if you've never been through a Fast Friday, like what is there to pick up on that someone that hasn't been through it might get a little confused or a little overwhelmed? Yeah, I mean, you're kind of bouncing around from field to field and spot to spot. And we try to do a lot of substitution stuff. And I think like the main thing is like, you know, we still want to sprint and run fast and kind of hit some top end speed. So um, I think those are kind of like the hardest things to kind of grasp. Even like my first Fast Friday, we did during COVID year, like it was really tough to pick up on like, Okay, they do want us to like like this isn't like a true walkthrough like they really want us to like run and, and everything like that that makes sense is the what's the hardest part like what's the hardest part to pick up on is it just the sheer pace or is it the amount of different stuff you're doing in a short amount of time and having to be in the right spot for me it's always been kind of like the, the pace was kind of the hardest thing to pick up on because like i feel like just generally speaking like with o-line like it's kind of tough sometimes to practice without shoulder pads on, like just helmets on, and you still want to run and everything, you sprint off the ball. You guys have Troy on Saturday, uh, new coaching staff. Uh, you were here one year when Summerall was here. Like, right, y'all were at least in the same building. You kind of knew of each other. Was that before? Oh, no, sh that was 18. See, this is yeah, how it's going. That's right. He leaves at 18, goes to Kentucky in 19, right? So there's no overlap there. But uh, – like, what's at what point do you guys kind of start looking at Troy stuff? And really, a better way to ask that is when you're playing a team that's whether it's a group of five team or not, that's an all new coaching staff. How much more difficult is that to prepare? Because, like, even if you like can see the players from a year ago, it's going to be different scheme. How much more complicated is it when you're like opening against a new coaching staff? Yeah, like you said, it's kind of kind of a an art almost. Like, you kind of have to decipher, like, okay, so we're watching, like, the old stuff. He's ran at different schools and also trying to pick up on, like, what their players do, how they are as players as well. Yeah, I imagine it's kind of like a nice balance where it's like, I right, we need to watch some of the old stuff. Kevin actually talked about that a little bit on Monday where it's like you can't get too caught up in watching the old stuff at other schools because then you realize, I right, well, we're not playing eight or whoever that is on film, and you kind of got to haul it back in. And I imagine it's a little bit of a matching game, like who they might use – based on the previous year at whatever school that is for you guys as an offensive line, when you're playing a group of five game like this, where I know respect the opponent and all that, but it's a game. If you guys play well, you should win and not have too much trouble with what is kind of your mindset in terms of like a standard to hold yourself or the collective line as a unit to obviously you want to play to win the game. I get all of that, but I'm just curious when you're playing one of these games versus an sec game, what do you kind of look for and what kind of standard do you hold your, I say yourselves as five of you or however many um, to grade off of, you know, something other than this, the sheer scoreboard uh, result, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I mean, like for me, the game's always like, you got to treat every game the same. It doesn't really matter who you're playing. You got to prepare the same, no matter what, especially with the team like Troy. I mean, they still do have a lot of really good players. They got a lot of good talent, have a really good scheme. Um, so it'll be a good challenge for us to start off the year and, 
I think, you know, I think like, like I said, like just kind of keep the main thing to the main thing and still finish our blocks. still run off the ball and watch film and everything, you know, like we do every, every week, you know, we want to prepare the same. My mind was blown a couple of years ago when I realized that you guys do in fact have like a locker room and then a game day locker room. What I kind of described that has that been affected by the renovations at all? All I see is a bunch of cranes and skyscrapers and uh, like equipment that I probably shouldn't jump on and handle. I don't know what that goes into it. I don't know how it's affected you guys. What's the difference between the two locker rooms and has that changed at all this year? Uh, the locker room situation hasn't changed for us. Okay. Uh, we still get like our normal locker room and like you said, we kind of have like a little, it's like a halftime locker room. So we don't have to walk all the way back down. Uh, when it's halftime, we can kind of meet like in the stadium, like closer on, like kind of right behind uh, the end zone. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty convenient for us, definitely. This might be a dumb question. Does it look the same, like in terms of like y'all's locker setup and all that? Or do you have like, it's very different, the game day locker room, like where it's lo- where your locker is located in one versus the other and all that? Yeah, I mean, the halftime locker room is a lot different. Uh, we still get dressed up in our main locker room. We really just use the halftime locker room for, like, kind of halftime adjustments and everything. Oh, okay, that makes sense. That, so is it kind of sort of like an away locker room? Like, I remember that one year, or I guess that was 17, they won, it's Ole Miss won at State, and you went to that old visitor locker room, and they kind of let us in there for a second to do interviews, and dudes were ripping cigars and that made it a little like it was like you were walking around in like a fog rave. And I was always like, man, these visitor locker rooms are a little bit different than the home ones. Is the halftime one more like kind of like a like your typical visitor locker room or is it nicer? It's it's different in the sense that it's not like truly like a real locker room, if that makes sense. It's more like a meeting area. Like there's no okay. uh, like actual lockers sitting in there. Uh, like there's a bunch of whiteboards and stuff for us to make adjustments on and everything, though. Do you take your pads off at halftime? I've always wondered how that works. Do you take anything off or you just stay fully loaded, ready to go other than the helmet? I stay fully loaded, ready to go. Like I might like adjust my knee braces or retie my shoes, things like that. But I'll, I won't take off like my shoulder pads or anything like that. I got you. Um, I was reading sort of some of the renovation stuff. And I remember when they were first doing that new side of the Vought, someone, I don't know if this is an idea pitch or if it was a joke, but you have like the Shark Tank piece. Would you be more motivated at all if they had real sharks in like a tank that you guys walked in between? I think that'd be pretty cool. I don't know how we'd be able to pull that off and where we'd get shark shrimp for it, but that'd be sweet. <laughs> that would be sweet. Just like while you guys are kind of in there giving the old pregame, whatever, just, I don't know, throw some fish in there and watch the shark attack it. That'll get you in the correct, huh? That'll get you going. Correct state of mind. You know, one of the stories out of camp um, that I think is probably encouraging for fans to read um is the fact that you guys have so much depth on the offensive line I know I asked you about Jaden Williams last time and his emergence at at the tackle position and a guy that was I won't say under recruited but was kind of seen as a project and that project came together really quickly it seems like he's really blown up you guys have a lot of depth on that offensive line from a sheer starting standpoint how have you guys kind of managed that like, Hey, one of us may be, you know, a six guy that is absolutely a starter, but may not actually run out there the first series, but it's still going to play a lot because you need more than five in a game. How has that been kind of managed? Because I know for a lot of your career, it's been five, a little bit of a gap, a couple guys that can fill in whereas it feels like you have six, seven guys that could start this year. How has everyone kind of handled that as a unit? Yeah, I think that's one thing that's been really cool. Like you said, uh, we have a lot of different guys that we can play. So I think, you know, for a lot of positions, you know, if a guy gets tired or gets a little dinged up, I mean, you can, you can almost afford to sit out a little bit until you're, you're ready to go again, which has been really cool. And I think like the other thing about it is everybody's still, you know, um, getting ready and preparing like they're a starter and still watching film and practicing hard and everything. I was looking through the offensive line. I know they released the depth chart and Kiffin doesn't put much stock in the depth charts. Um, I think at one point last year in the sugar bowl, actually by the time y'all got to the sugar bowl, it was still the same as the August depth chart. And I think like three or four kids that actually weren't still with the program were still on the two deep. I don't think he updates that sucker very often, which kind of cracks me up, but I was looking at the center spot and it's always kind of underrated, right? You have Warren moved to center, or at least he hadn't played there his entire career. And you think, okay, whatever, no big deal. You guys' job is already hard enough. And then hiking a football between your legs, I imagine particularly in shotgun, can be difficult. Have you ever, not that you would play it in a game here, but have you had any experience at center at all? And I'm just curious, like, how much more difficult that makes things. I imagine particularly with, like, a head-up nose, but when you have that extra element to what you already have to do. 
yeah, I, I think my, my first time playing center uh, was during COVID year, actually. Like, we, I think it was Sam Plash and Peyton Cox were both out with COVID. Ben Brown had kind of, like, rolled up his ankle, and, like, it was one of those deals was, like, just sit out for the day, like, you're good. And we were doing, like, a, a scrimmage in the stadium where it was, like, ones will go, and then twos will go right down. And uh, it was, like, you know, your traditional 100, whatever, Mississippi, humid. And we're, like, we can't make Bryce go the whole time. And our O-line coach was uh, Randy Clemens at the time. He comes to the sidelines. Can any of you guys snap? And we all kind of look at each other like uh, none of us can snap. And I was like, well, I can I can try. Like, I know I can – I know the offense well enough. That, like, I can do whatever. And I tried to play quarter – or I tried to snap. And, like, the big joke was, like, Matt Crowell was playing shortstop by the end of the day because he was just fielding ground balls. And uh, that's something I have worked on recently, though. Like, I, I now can snap. Um, and I think part of it was because of that. Part of it's because of – you know, things for the next level too. But uh, that's something I've like been really working on. Like really since camp started is just after practice, I'll snap some balls and before practice, I'll snap some balls. That's interesting. And I know it's this big Nell reference that I keep bringing up, but it did crack me up that one day you guys were like done with practice and kind of winding down or something. And we were just chatting off to the side and he was talking about like his time in the NFL where he'd have, you know, guys tell him like, no coach, I'm a guard, no coach, I'm a tackle. And he's like, actually, you know, if you're not starting, like, you know, you're whatever I say you are when the guy gets hurt or whatever, like we have seven of you, five of you have to go out there. The other two or three of you are going to play wherever because we have to field five of them. I imagine particularly for the next level, that can actually be really valuable, right? You have experience outside, as we discussed, you now are playing guard. If you can snap the ball, like, I mean, that, that pretty much gets you at all five positions, right? Which not everyone can do in the NFL in particular, not everyone has the body type to do either. I imagine that adds value for your, uh, I guess, next level stock or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of the way I viewed it as well. Uh, still haven't really taken like any live reps with it. Just kind of been something I'll just do. Um, but yeah, and like like you said, Coach Pick, now like he saw so it's the same thing. Like we don't have guards and tackles. You know, we should have offensive linemen. Like you should be able to play everywhere. What is that like? What is the hardest part about it? Like, is is it the under center or is it the shotgun? I actually remember I had a youth football coach. Guy played at Southern Miss. He caught on a little bit in preseason with the Broncos. I think was a practice squad guy for a year or two. Who used to brag to a bunch of sixth graders about how John Elway once touched his ass. I'm not sure that's the flex that you know I would bring out in youth football camp, but it is pretty cool that he played it at that level. It's very hard. Is the under center, the shotgun hard? Like what makes the snapping part of it kind of difficult? I think a lot of it, like you said, the shotgun is difficult. It's like you were kind of hitting at it earlier. Like for me, when I was struggling with all those snaps, like I was normally pretty good on the sideline, but the second like somebody was in front of me, there's kind of something that's like, all right, well, I got to snap and then do this. And then it's like, you're kind of thinking about too many things. And like the first thing's always got to be like, you got to snap it before you do anything else. It's almost like topping a golf shot. I imagine if you jerk up and try to do the next thing before you snap the ball. I, I mean, look, we're just doing gravity here. I imagine the ball goes down and it becomes kind of like a ground ball type situation. Yeah. I Like do the high snaps, is that pass blocking where you're on your heels? Where does the old uh, snap that goes over the quarterback's head? What does that originate from? I don't know. Uh, Adrenaline? Yeah, I, I, I'd imagine it's a couple of things. Sometimes it's like the release point of where you like launch the ball at. That's kind of like a telltale sign of like where the ball is going to go is like where you released it. So at the start of a season, particularly for you guys that are in kind of hand to hand combat on pretty much every play, right? I mean, that's kind of the nature of, of the trenches down there. Is the opener the best you're ever going to feel? I know you guys get dinged up throughout the season, but like, is that. Is that something you've noticed through the years? Is that something you think about where it's like, I, you know, we got 11 more of these odds of me getting dinged up are pretty good. Is like the opener the best you feel all year? Or is it just kind of depend on how the year goes? Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's pretty fair to say. I mean, like it's always like the big joke is like the best you'll feel is before camp. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, kind of similar to that. Um, I mean, fortunately for us, Coach Kiffin takes really good care of us as players, like, throughout this season as far as, like, our practice load. And he's, like, very good about monitoring. Like, we have little monitors that monitor, like, how many steps we take on our player loads. And Coach Kiffin's very, like, good about understanding, which is really cool. What is – um for you guys, I mean, offensive linemen, you have to be extremely tough. What is the biggest – injury that's not an injury that's just painful as hell but annoying i'm trying to think of a good example so like i mean here's here's a great just super manly example when you blade like a golf shot in cold weather 
and just get the old stinger on the hands and you're like, Jesus, this hurts my hands. This is annoying. Is there something that happens to you guys through the course of a game where one, you know, you're not coming out of the game per se, but like it really hurts and it's super annoying when it happens. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned hands, I think a lot of guys like, you know, you break a thumb or break a finger here and there kind of get like rolled up on the ankles and things like that. Those are kind of like the most common things that you kind of just have to like fight through. What's your experience on the bottom of a pile for a fumble? Is it as, is it as dark of a place as people say? Yeah, it's a pretty tough scene sometimes. Yeah. I mean, everybody's kind of grabbing and everything and uh, yeah, it gets pretty wild. <laughs> I can imagine that gets pretty wild. And then the thing that always cracks me up is like when you have, particularly when you have big ones at a big point in the game, it takes the officials for forever. Cause one, they're trying to figure out who actually has the football before they get off of you. So you all, sometimes you have almost like 60 to 80 seconds where you're just stuck in that pile and you're like, Jesus, get like, get, get, get everybody off of me. I imagine that can get pretty crazy as well. Yeah. It gets pretty hectic. Especially, like you said, like when you're trying to just figure out like who has the ball and everybody's trying to pull each other off. How often does that actually change hands when someone's already, you know, quote unquote down, but at the bottom? Like, is there any actually any traction made after the initial guy falls on it? Uh, from my experiences, granted, I haven't been in a whole lot of them, but just like watching football for as long as I have, I feel like it doesn't really happen. Like, as soon as someone gets the ball, they kind of just like curl up with it. So it's kind of tough to like get a finger in there, get a hand in there or anything. For sure. You guys, uh, so as you kind of enter this last stretch of home games, y'all got a lot of them off the bat, right? I mean, you play a little bit more on the road in October and November, but as you kind of go through these final seven home games, are your parents coming down for every game? Do you savor these more? What's this kind of like? Like, what's this last ride particularly at Vaught-Hemingway like as opposed to it may have been in other years for you? Yeah, I mean, my parents come to every game, which is really cool. I know it means a lot to me, and uh, I mean, they love it as well. Yeah, you know, they love in Oxford and everything. But yeah, like you said, it is kind of a weird feeling. Um, it's something I'm really going to enjoy and try to cherish and, you know, just enjoy the moment whenever I can. You guys, I know the big story surrounding the team is the whole quarterback thing. And it was, I think, maybe surprising to some that Kiffin didn't at least publicly announce anything on Monday. But the aspect of it that I thought was interesting that I've heard throughout is everyone assumes like there's probably some sort of animosity because you're competing for the same job. But I mean, Altmaier and both Dart have been pretty frank in the fact where it's like, hey, we kind of like, like we not kind of, we like each other. We kind of have the same senses of humor. Like, yes, we're competing for the same thing, but like we get along. I know we're from different parts of the country, but like we have more in common than some might think. It's just as someone has been up close to it, like how, like how would you describe that as well? Because it seems very genuine in a scenario where you wouldn't think that would always be the case. Yeah, and that, that's something I've kind of talked about a lot. You know, it is really cool to see that, like, they still help each other and uh, they do get along together and they do a lot of things together, which is really cool to see because, like you said, they are competing uh, for a job, but, you know, they still take the time to help each other and get each other better. You guys go two home games, then you get that first one at Georgia Tech. For as much new as you have on this team, I know I was listening to Kiffin talk last week where, like, y'all did the mock game mostly just so, like, did y'all stay in a hotel last Friday? Did y'all do like the full mock week or did y'all just like kind of fake it? We had meetings, but we didn't stay at the hotel. Um, but we still had like breakfast and pregame meal at the hotel like we would for a normal game. Did y'all – do y'all still go to Tupelo or did Kiffin keep y'all in Oxford for that? I can't remember how that worked. Yeah, we, we stay in Oxford now. Okay, that's what I thought. So, but the where I was going with that is first road game, right? When you guys go to Atlanta in week three, is it – cliche the whole like first time on the road for the younger guys or the new guys or whatever or does it actually kind of take some getting used to the process of kind of getting prepared at a particular program to play on the road what's like everything that goes into it like and does it take any getting used to I wouldn't say it takes a whole lot of getting used to because we're still kind of on the same schedule whether it's a home or away game the only difference is like uh we got to fly somewhere drive somewhere so as far as like the actual like schedule like what we're doing it still remains pretty consistent I remember one year, so I worked in-house for the athletic department one year. So as opposed to having to like my company or whatever, pay for my own travel, I actually got to fly with the team. I guess yeah. that was 2018. That's a sweet deal y'all got going on there because Auburn driving is like five hours 
Whereas Auburn flying is like a 25 minute flight. Like some of these little pond jumps, it's, it's shocking how quick you get back to Oxford. Y'all got a pretty sweet deal going on there. You can, if you get an 11 a.m. game at Auburn or something, you can kind of have your afternoon and night to do whatever you want. I imagine it's always sweeter after a win, but like, I, I feel like some people don't think about that to where it's like, they get you guys get back pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, like this, the second the game's over I and mean, we get time to like, you know, shower and see our family, like, right outside the locker room before we get on the bus and everything but like you said i mean we're we're just right away like getting back so um and you know it's really nice like you said to come back early after some of those games and on the flip side you know coming back from like tennessee it was a pretty late night um because of you know how long the game was and everything but uh yeah i mean that's kind of like the really nice perk of it like you said is we can still you know get home at a pretty re- uh, reasonable time i remember that's how it was last year after Alabama game like we we just came straight back and I was having a really reasonable time I remember the first time I ever did one of those we rolled up to Tupelo and the you know 23 year old me is like oh I've made it we've got our own jet this is unbelievable this looks the same as like Delta or American that being said for you bigger fellas there's no extended business classes there y'all aren't crammed in there quite like coaches but does it get a little crammed on those planes they don't make them for like the big offensive linemen I don't feel like uh yeah, I mean, there still is, like, an exit row that some of us sit in. There's okay. a little more, like, room. But, like, we don't sit, like, there's three chairs, like, in an aisle. We only put two there, and that's pretty consistent throughout the whole plane. I was like, nobody's, like, in the middle, if that makes sense. I may have asked you this before. Do you ever prefer game time? Because I know, like, I remember in 14 when I was first starting out, uh, a couple of the guys, players I talked to talk about how, like, some of the 8, eight o'clock kickoffs or 7 o'clock kind of stink because particularly when you're on the road, you're just kind of hanging around all day. Do you have a preferred time that you prefer to play? Not really. Um, I'm just good whenever. And, like, the thing about it, too, now is, like, we play at 11 o'clock. If we play at 11 o'clock, like, we're so used to waking up for practice. It's not like we got to wake up extra early. You know, we're still kind of on, like, the same schedule, so to speak. So that's been pretty fortunate for us. How's uh, how's classes going? We're beyond syllabus week. Hopefully no teachers thrown – got pulled a psycho move and thrown a test what's it like i know you got a lot of online stuff but what's campus like what's it like kind of getting the swing of things in class again yeah it's been fun to kind of get back to like campus again and go to class and be able to walk around and everything like that go to business row and take like my two in-person classes a week there so that's been fun does the walk of champions ever get old i imagine coming through down that bus it feels probably pretty new every time yeah i know that'll never get old that's always a really cool experience like every time it gets just cooler and cooler to me for you going back home being kind of a midwest guy do you have like i always think it's funny like you have a guy come from like a hometown and like part of that hometown there's like an old miss sector of that town whether it's a watch party or whatever do you have that going on back home is there like an old miss gathering old miss bar what's that kind of like for you in your hometown yeah and i think that's something that's cool too is there because i am like not super far north from here like six and a half hours which I, I mean it's far but it's not near as far as like you would think so to speak uh there's still is like a lot of like i have like friends from high school that go to school here and a lot of people from my high school in general go to school here so there still is like kind of an Ole Miss pocket here and there so i you know i know a lot of people gather to watch the games which means a lot to me last thing i really got for you do you still i say still do you ever get like nervous or restless the night before games i always remember when i had like a big like whether it's test or whatever, like sometimes night for like something I'm excited about. I'm like, I just wanted to get here. Is it hard at all to sleep the night before a game? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it takes a little bit of extra time than normal to fall asleep. Um, just because like, you know, you're so, you're super excited to play and there's some, some, some nerves, but uh, kind of have to get into like a good routine of like the fall asleep and everything like that. There are rumors that Juice is going to do lead the walk of champions for the first game. What are the odds he makes it through the entire thing without getting sidetracked by someone on the side? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's awesome. Um, I, I mean, the yeah. dog's Twitter account is hitting at it. I'm taking it as fact because if it's on the internet, it has to be true. I just many people right. are saying it may not be true, but like if, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, do you have to put like a treat on it? Be awesome. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I mean, hell, they've done an ESPN feature on the dog already. I mean, he's got to lead one of those. I mean, God forbid you guys get game day this year. That thing might sit in Corso's seat for the entire three hours with the amount of pop that old juice is getting. But I just figured he'd get pretty sidetracked and you'd have to kind of steer him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think the good news is he'll have a leash on 
so there shouldn't be too much like kind of you know outside influences on them when y'all go through that walk of champions is that kind of like all right it's kind of on because i remember a couple of the bigger games when the, when i was just a college student the student section was on the other side so we would see you the players come in the stadium and walk across and you could kind of tell when they got through that a part of it it's like all right like it's kind of on now like the countdown is on like everyone's kind of whatever if there's a mindset shift it seemed like it maybe sort of happened then or around then is that accurate yeah, very accurate. I mean, like the second you finish the walk, you get into the stadium. It's like, all right, you kind of have three focus and get ready to play. He is Nick Broker um, working on finding me a house. I haven't heard any reports back yet, but uh, we'll check in on that next time. Uh, SEC offensive lineman extraordinaire. This is always fun, my man. We'll chat again soon. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. And that was episode four of the Nick Broker Show. Always appreciate his time. Nick is a uh, always a great dude to chat with for the uh, – you know, half hour or so as we knock out those shows, wishing him the best of luck this week and every week this season. We're going to get to Greg and LB's picks in a minute, but before we do, wanted to remind you, this podcast is sponsored and brought to you by BetterHelp. Have you ever had trouble focusing? Maybe there's a lot on your mind, feeling a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety. You need to try BetterHelp. It's a proven online therapy service that can get you hooked up with a therapist in as quick as 48 hours, you can go on video, you can go audio only to where you don't even, uh, or you can go in person. You don't even have to see someone face to face if you don't want to. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem solving mode when faced with the challenge in life. Therapy is just like anything else. You know, we put gas in our cars, we get our oil changed, we get the tires rotated. Your brain's no different. How you treat your brain affects how you go through life. Therapy's uh, nice. It's kind of nice just talking to somebody, you know, and kind of getting it all out there. It's very laid back and it's uh, it's super helpful. You need to try betterhelp.com. Check them out. Use the promo code MPW and that'll get you 20% off. Check them out, our friends at BetterHelp. All right. Here is LB's Greg. All right. Welcome into another edition of Fresh Cut sponsored by both LB's and Skybox Sports Picks. We're going to make our picks for a loaded week one slate i'm pretty fired up about it i was looking at the menu of games and I, i've talked about this a couple of times on some preseason pods but i never like fully appreciated how awesome the slate is this week um just a ton of awesome games and i'm looking forward to that we got lb's greg on the other line back from dallas it was like your last preseason vacation uh what's what can you report there what's uh what's been happening well, you know, there's a lot of uh, concrete and construction going on in Dallas, so I can definitely give you an update on that. Woo. You were preaching uh, to the we, choir, my friend. I uh, My last time in Dallas, I thought I had to go get, like, some tire pressure issue. I just go get it filled up. I had uh, two nails in the back left and one nail in the back right just from construction driving down the uh, highway and interstate. Yeah, like I said, it was just uh, – I mean, you know uh, – when, when traveling and everything like that, and that's this is why I just I, I love Oxford so much, and it always brings me back, and, and it just explains the Velvet Ditch even more. Um, you know, I was in Dallas for a, a day or and a half or so, and I was enjoying myself, and just in the back of my mind, I was just like, all right, I'm ready to get back to Oxford, you know, get back to football and everything like that. You know, just not a lot of concrete, not a lot of people honking your horns at you. So, yeah, it was a, a – it was a good uh, little spot to get out, but ready for football season. You said you were hanging out with uh, Jake DeLone, the old uh, Panthers quarterback. I think they made a Super Bowl with him. He's a horseman now? Yeah, well, he's always been a horseman. His okay. family's always uh, been in, uh, involved in horses. And uh, my uh, the guy uh, that trains my horses trains Jake's uh, horses also. And uh, it was kind of cool. We, uh, we, walked, we walked up on Jake and – you know, of course, Jake's like, Al, what are you doing? Have you found us a horse yet? And, uh, you know, in the te Texas Texas horse sale and Kentucky horse sale is, you know, kind of two way different things. It's kind of like looking at um, the Texas sales. Probably there's going to be about three or four or five stars and the rest are going to be like two stars. And then the Kentucky sale is going to be eh, probably a thousand five stars and probably like five, two stars. So, I mean, it's uh kind of a different situation but you know there is some uh, good horses at the texas sale and it was a uh, fun and um like yeah we uh just up on him and um you know of course you know when you introduce some when you get introduced to somebody like that you kind of just say hey you know i'm so and such and you just you know you just move on but um so i'm known as the meat man so al introduced yeah. me 
yeah, Hal introduced me to Jake Delhomme as Meat Man. So, uh, and, they, and I was like, hey, I'm Greg Jones. And uh, he's like, Meat Man, huh? I was like, yeah, I'm, you know, I just own a little butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. He's like, Oxford, Mississippi. That's what I'm talking about. We went down there whenever Lafayette played a couple of years ago and had an awesome time. So I'm sitting here, I'm just like, super cool guy, you know, just laid back. And uh, he does a really good job with the horses also. You would think that. You know, he goes into a horse sale like that and gets the most expensive one because he's Jake Delhomme and that sort of thing. But uh, my buddy um, Al said he's never spent like over fifty or seventy five thousand dollars on a horse and just you know had real good success with it. And uh, so anyway, yeah, it's cool. And then we also um, went. To, have you ever been to Lone Star Park? No, you were telling me about that. I. I... I feel like that area is so big and there's so many suburbs. Like if you told me like where it kind of was, I'd be like, oh yeah, I would probably pass that. Where is it? So it's on like, um, it's, it's right next to Six Flags. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I, I used to live right by there. Yeah, absolutely. So you probably drove by Orleans Park all the time. So, I mean, um, um, Lone Star Park. So, um, no, it's just a, um, it, it's, uh, man. It's I mean, like that super stack that they're trying to build and get everything in that Arlington area is just incredible. And then also whenever I was pulling into town, uh, Rockwall, is that right when you pull into town before you get to Dallas? Yeah, that's a big uh, that's a big football school. Um, Whole, I mean, Dallas. is that high school or is that college? I mean, no, oh, dude, the stadium deal out there is insane. So Rockwall's got a pretty good program. They have a nice stadium. Have you ever seen Allen's? It's fully bowled in. It's a ninety million dollar stadium. It's got a gift shop, like a like a like a um, like a minor league or major league style um air conditioned souvenir shop it, it's nuts out there dude yeah it was serious so i was just like uh yeah I, I was you know like i said whenever i pulled into town and uh there was a lot of cars a lot of traffic i promise you i, I was missing that velvet ditch real quick <laughs> yeah i don't miss the tra- I miss a lot of things about dallas i don't miss the traffic uh mississippi state actually has a freshman quarterback who played at rockwell last year if i'm not mistaken Last thing before we get into the picks, what's up with Marlins, man? Are you still hammering drinks with him at these horse shows? What's his deal? What's he <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he wasn't at the Texas sale. He okay. usually's at OBS and Florida and Ocala and that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, it's funny. I always, uh, always see, I always run into Marlin man at, at the horse sale and uh, Ocala. Does he call himself so. that? Um, you know, that's the thing about whenever I get called Meat Man, I'm like, I, do I want to be referred as Meat Man? But like, mm-hmm. I had a guy come up to me and they're like, dude. What a great nickname. And I'm like, well, I mean, I own a meat market. It's not like, you know, I'm, I'm a, 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 an adult performer, you know, it's, I, I, <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, and it, so, uh, but no, we have fun with it. And it's cool. And uh, they, they kind of want to change my name to T-Bone Jones, but we're going to name a horse T-Bone Jones. <laughs> oh, that's a great horse name. That's a better horse name than a nickname. You really got to, like, you got to probably start investing in some, like, affliction and tap-out T-shirts to go with T-Bone Jones as a nickname. The, uh, <laughs> and that was a part, and I was like, I can't, ch- I, w- I was like, I'd love to be called T-Bone Jones, but I'm not 6'6", 250 pounds. You know, I'm, you know, 5'10", you know, 210, you know, so, like, uh, if my uh, height and weight was a little bit different, I would definitely accept the T-Bone Jones for sure. Yeah, you would also need like a handlebar mustache and a rap sheet. And uh, yeah, well, I do have hand- the mustache. I cha- I shaved the beard. I I went mustache. I've gone mustache for the last month and a half, and it's it's. I don't know. It's not bad. I mean, it's just you know, it's different. There you go. You're halfway there, T-Bone Jones. Yeah, the Meat Man. That would be like if it's a great nickname in context. Like you just want to make sure that they know you're not on pay per view. You just own a meat market. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of, let's go into the uh, let's explore last week's picks. I told the people I'd be keeping score, and guess what? Your boy did. He kept score. Uh, congrats to me for doing it for a week. We uh. So it's uh, so it's really bad, right? It, no, it actually all three of us went four and three in very different okay. ways. Well, I got. I need to apologize to Vanderbilt um, before we start the picks. I mean, I didn't know they were going to put a sixty spot up like that. Yeah, so I, I took Vanderbilt. I took the nerds. I was just wanting to get real gross week one, and they put sixty-one points or sixty-three points on a real team with you know matching jerseys and everything. Congrats to Vanderbilt. You and Skybox were on the wrong side of that one, but you got both of us on. You went with Illinois, I believe, over Wyoming. And then I, um, Skybox got his back, or I say got his back, got one back on 
Nevada. I think both of us went with New Mexico State. So uh, that would I would say is a warm up. I uh, I even just debated counting it because the games were so bad. But you know what? We're four and three. We need all the help we can get. We're gonna go and we're gonna count it. We've got a much different slate of games this week, and by different, I uh, I mean better. And uh, I'm pretty fired up about it. I don't remember. There's usually on these uh, opening weekends. There's obviously like the one notable game on Saturday night. You usually get a decent one on Thursday night, one on Sunday that's at least a good name matchup, and then Labor Day is kind of a wild card. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. There's like 15 good games this weekend. There's like six or seven on Saturday that like I'm going to have to be in front of a TV or a two TV setup, depending on the old Miss game to watch. I don't remember a week one that's been this good in a long time. Yeah, I mean, like you like you were saying, it, it, I think – it, I think it, it sets up a lot better when week one and week two actually has meaningful games. I mean, I think, say, for example, like Auburn shouldn't be playing Mercer. They need to be playing somebody like Iowa State or, you know, something kind of like the Utah and Florida matchup. You know, you need to start getting some non-conference games that kind of, you know, um, uh, shape up the, uh, shape up the league uh, right out the get, you know, because maybe Utah uh, wins, wins first week and, uh, you know, wins every Pac-10 game and loses on the road to Oregon State. So maybe that road that road win against Florida kind of validates it. I mean, who knows? But there, I think there needs to be a, some you know better matchups first week and second week, like you were saying. It's certainly uh, getting there, and what a start to the season last night. So you and I were recording this early on a Friday morning, just because of uh, some moving adventures I might get into at the end of the podcast. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, I was like, did you catch the Penn State and Purdue game? Oh, uh, yeah, but- it was nuts, and the backyard brawl was nuts, and, like, it was, like, the greatest, like, intro to college football because neither one of those games were, like, out when they, they were good games. Neither one of those were, like, particularly well-played. Like, they were kind of a shit show, but it was yeah. entertaining as hell. Um, Purdue – so, um, so, the last the – la- so, the last drive – I love Gus Johnson to death. I mean, like, I think Gus Johnson should, you know – do every sporting you know but he's attached to fox but he kept hammering like the one of the greatest college drives like you'll ever he see. called and that like, drive the greatest drive he's ever I, seen I was, I, i'm like, I was like man made that for real I, I i was just sitting there i was like you know like whenever he said it one time and then he kept hammering it, and then like matt liner gets on i'm like look this is at, this is the first game of a year this is a guy's a what is he, <laughs> eight year senior was he's like 27 years old this is uh, against Purdue. I mean, like, you know, think about a really good drive. You think about, like, something like Vince Young in the national championship against USC. Like, I don't think of – but anyway, I just thought it was kind of funny that he Gus just kept hammering it and hammering it. I'm like, look, bro. Like, and then he, in the interview after the after the game, he kind of basically told everybody he kind of um, uh, shit himself at the in, in the game or something like that. Is that what happened? The uh, Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback, like he got asked, he missed a couple of series due to kind of a mysterious injury that no one really reported. They didn't know what it was. And so the internet sleuths out there have deducted that he had the squirts. Uh, well, I mean, you know, Purdue, is a, Purdue is a tough environment. So you never, it's, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, laxatives uh, in the Gatorade. But the reason they thought that is because he kept saying, we're going to make sure that never happens again. Yeah. You had a real injury. Like, well, what do you I mean can... by that, pal? Like, you, what are, you're going to make sure you never roll an ankle again? Like, that's what made people think it was, uh, you know, something with the uh, digestive tract, I'd say. Oh, man. You got, you know, like I said, as I, I think of the Paul Pierce incident when he t- pretended he uh, broke his ankle, but he really just. Uh, yeah. Uh, just... <laughs> There's nothing like having digestive issues so bad. Paul Pierce takes the cake because he, he required a wheelchair to get to the toilet. Um, oh, and like four teammates. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing before we get these fixed, the Gus Johnson thing is so perfect for college football because his big stick is, right, he screams really loud on big plays. Some people like it. Some people don't. I don't really have a strong opinion. I find it kind of entertaining. But he just gets so excited. Like, last night was perfect because, like, I'm sure he's so pumped in his mind. Like, he just blacks out. And, like, he's in, in his mind in that moment, he's never called a game before. There's never been a bigger game. There's never been a greater game. That might have been the greatest drive Gus Johnson has ever seen because he just forgot all the others. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you see so many uh, amazing uh, games like a this week, you know, you just your, – your mind flashes sometimes. 
Let's get into it. We'll uh, we'll just start at the top. One of my favorite matchups of the weekend. We've got Florida hosting Utah. A lot of playoff buzz with uh, Utah. Probably the Pac-12's best hope, or at least a lot of people are saying that. Maybe Oregon could have a say about that. They're going into the swamp for a week one uh, true road game at Florida. We have the Gators plus three against Utah in the swamp. Man, this is going to be, a, like you said, a really good matchup. I, I Whenever talking with Jake Delhomme, his brother's a big ULL uh, backer, and uh, I asked him, I was like, so, uh, you know, we all going to be all right first year without Napier? He goes, he said Napier took everybody. He took the janitor. He took, I mean, he took every person off that staff and took, took them to Florida with him. And I go, well, do you think he's going to be able to win there? And he goes, he'll be able to win a national championship in three to four years. So that's a pretty bold statement, um, but uh, I think it's just kind of a work in progress. I mean, you know, the Utah has got a solid program, man, and um, they've uh, played with some SEC teams and actually beat Alabama in a Sugar Bowl. So I, I don't see them being nervous at all. I might see the weather being a factor. I mean, you know, coming to from Utah and to Florida and the humidity, it's a it's a big deal. Uh, trust me, I went to Texas uh, last weekend and. I was ready to get out of there. It's uh, it's hot. So, with that being said, you know the three points is a lot, and you know it could be a field goal game. I'll, I'll take I'll take um, I'll take Utah here. I'm just gonna just roll the dice with it. I don't have a good feel for this as far as Jake Delhomme and the uh, Billy Napier thing. To add on to that, I mean, when you talk like, the way people in the industry talk about Napier, you know, Saban has a lot of assistants. Most of them are mildly successful. You know, only a few of them have gotten you know in that air of elite type program i'm thinking kirby right jimbo uh people talk about napier in the same light like he's machine like like you know he's he's got the money to hire a gigantic staff i don't know if you saw that team photo flirting around with florida the other day they had literally like over 100 staffers um about as many staffers as they had players in terms of like all their support people um so we'll see i think he can coach i'm actually going to go florida here i, I can't decide i can't tell what I think about this, because I think Utah has a sh chance to really punch Florida in the mouth. I don't know what Florida really has defensively. I'll be totally honest about that, particularly uh, within the front seven. But I don't love Anthony Richardson, but I'm just not going against Napier as a home dog. I don't – I mean, he inherited a, I would say, decent roster from Mullen. It wasn't terrible. And just what that guy's going to do with that level of talent, um, even before he gets his own in, I just kind of like them in this spot. So I'm going to go Florida at home here. I kind of have to believe it before I see it with Utah. That being said, uh, Weldon and I are huge Kyle Whittingham stands. He's one of the best coaches in the sport that never gets talked about. He's built a great program. I just like Florida in this spot. We've got Skybox is rolling with – we've got their picks in. Where are we at here? Skybox is going with Florida. So Skybox is on Florida as well. Greg's got Utah. Skybox, Florida. I went Florida as well. That's going to be a great one. Yeah, I think it's almost kind of like, you know, Napier inherited like a Lane Kiffin situation with Ole Miss. You know, he had – he's got a pretty good talent across the board and just needs to put the, you know, the right pieces in the right puzzle. But, you know, I just think it's going to be a really good game just all around. I just think kind of a field goal decides it. That is going to be a great one. Let's uh, – I'm just bouncing around randomly here without any sort of like these are, these are not, you know, in order through time in the day. Let's go ahead and go over to Starkville. It's Mississippi State minus 16 against Memphis. Memphis is starting a freshman quarterback and a freshman right tackle. They weren't great last year. Kind of the roses off the bud or whatever the saying is with Ryan Silverfield. You know, they had that uh, – you had Fuente, who was awesome. You had Mike Norvell, who did a really good job too, and then – um, I believe they went in-house with Ryan Silverfield again, and it's kind of dropped off a little bit. Mike Leach's teams always start slow. I don't think Memphis is very good, but I'm just not siding with Mike Leach in that air raid in game one. I saw it last year. Who was it last year they almost lost to? Who was that? La Tech. Yeah, Louisiana Tech? Yeah. Like Louisiana exactly Tech had a field goal opportunity. And, I mean, no, I think uh, – uh, State was down like some like twenty some odd points in the fourth quarter. It's like one of the largest comebacks in school history. Like yeah, I think La Tech, was, you're right. They were up three scores. La Tech like really, really kind of pissed it away, which is weird. Oh, just melted, melted. Like wheels came off the bus. I'm gonna go Memphis here. I don't even think they're that good. I think Mississippi State wins the game. I think they win the game by double digits. But I just I don't know if I can get to that 16. Like I think it may be in the 10 to 14 range. I, yeah, I just I think that's too many points. If you'd given me this at like 13 and a half, I'm probably taking state. 
if that makes any sense. But if you're putting yeah, three or two touchdowns. I mean, yeah. you, you look at the line, you think you, you they've nailed it pretty solid right here. You see it being like a two-touchdown game, and maybe Memphis has the ball late trying to score and, um, you know, pick six to cover or something like that. But, you know, I, I think Memphis treats these games against Mississippi State and Ole Miss almost kind of like the Super Bowl versus, you know, how Southern – treats the same way with whenever they play Ole Miss and State. You know, it's a big deal for them. They're playing in a, you know, large a Power 5 conference and on the road. And I like I said, I just think it's a two-touchdown two game. So, I'll take the 16 and a half. Oh, I was on mute there for a second. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Yeah, I just – it's slightly too much. I think Vegas nailed this one. Skybox got Memphis at 15, and they're taking that. So, they this game has moved actually in the direction – of uh um, no, i heard uh state has a really good defense i mean you know i do have a couple um and a state good that come to the store and, yeah i mean it's you know it's not like it, it's an impossible cover for them but you know um in memphis is not a like you said not something special this year so um it could easily be um they could easily win by you know 21 and they could easily win by 14. And I'm probably taking state if this game is in October. I just the Mike Leach thing gets weird in season openers and the start of season. So I, I don't feel great about that one. I don't know if I'd actually like play it, but uh, that's going to be a fascinating one. I think it'll be competitive enough. Let's uh let's keep it rolling to where do we want to go next? Let's go to UGA Oregon. So we've got it's not a home game. It's being played in Atlanta though, so it's a de facto home game. This line is at seventeen and a half. We've got Georgia minus 17 and a half against Oregon. I got to say, for all of the takes out there about this game, about whether Oregon can keep it close, like is this line too much, why has no one done the Dan Lanning knows all the Georgia plays thing? Have you seen anyone say that? You know, they hired Georgia's defensive coordinator from last year. But have you seen that out there anywhere? No one said that. Maybe I'm just missing it, but I thought that was weird that that storyline hasn't been just nailed into the earth and beaten into submission by TV. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, when uh, when you already know the X's and the O's all, uh, on the other side and you're playing against against them, I mean, obviously, you know what kind of talent they have and what kind of players they have. But, you know, it definitely helps whenever uh, you, you've uh, ran – you've uh, run a defense against their offense for a whole year, you know, and that year ends up being a national championship. Um, so, <laughs> pretty, uh, yeah, pretty solid. I think I'm going to Oregon. This feels like a trap. Um, because you're like, man, these are two good programs. Why would this be this many points? Georgia loses a ton off last year. This is probably a trap, but I think Oregon's got a couple NFL players on defense. I don't love Bo Nix at quarterback. I'll be interested to see if he makes it through the entire year before that five-star kid. I forget his name is escaping me right now. Uh, Replaces him. But, uh, I I don't know. I just think they're like Bo Nix. He always has one weird game where it's like, how is this close? We don't really understand. I, I just... If I take Georgia, Bo Nix is going to somehow throw two touchdowns. One of them is going to be a complete duck that was maybe tipped at the line of scrimmage, and you're like, how does that happen? I'm just going to take the points here on opening weekend. I think Oregon's competent enough to keep this within 17. I'm going to go with the Ducks. Yeah, I mean, I can see um, Georgia coming out and putting two touchdowns on the board real quick and it being 14 to nothing, and, you know, Oregon kind of realizes, like, hey, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't West Coast football. So, and, you know, they'll probably get a, establish a really good drive and make it 14-7 and, you know, kind of get back in the game. And like you're saying, a lot of points here. And, uh, you know, that Dan uh, – the coach angle, you know, I, I think that's just a, a really nice uh, bet to have. And who thought – we we live in a world where Bo Nix beats Oregon and then now he plays for Oregon. So, it's just uh, kind of a, a weird college football with the – transfer portal and everything but i just think uh, you know just too many points here i'm gonna go with oregon bo nix was built for pac 12 after dark like we're all gonna wake up one day after an oregon arizona state game we didn't really watch unless we were in a hole or something it's gonna be like bo nix threw five touchdowns but had seven fumbles and you're gonna be like wait a minute what how did that work um so we're gonna get some weirdness out of oregon and bo nix this year so skybox is on georgia they're not taking the bait they are riding the dogs at 17 and a half Whatever, nerds, we're just going with our own brains here. We just uh, came up with our own logic. Who needs number? Skybox is fading us on uh, on that one. Let's uh, let's bounce around up to the horseshoe. We got another huge line. This is one there that's probably indicative of the state of college football. You've got number five, Notre Dame, and number two, Ohio State, in the horseshoe in Columbus. 
and Ohio State is a 17-point favorite. This is another one that feels like a trap, but I, I'm not against being trapped. I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think that's too many points. With that said, this speaks to how stupid loaded Ohio State is, too. I think them and Alabama are the two best teams. But uh, I'll take Notre Dame and uh, Freeman here. Um, I like him as a coach. they still got enough talent. That's a lot of points for week one. That Ohio State defense has sucked the last three years. I get they got a new coordinator. I get they're new and improved, but I need to see it first. I'm going with the uh, Notre Dame fighting Irish here. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, Ohio State usually starts out slow. I mean, Oregon beat them at the shoe last year, I think. And, uh, you know, uh, I've, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I would love to say Oregon State, I mean, uh, Ohio State, you know, runs through them. But I really like Notre Dame's coach. I think it's a slam dunk hire. He's a young guy and just – I think it's uh, a slam dunk, and I think uh, he, you know, when you get a good, when you hire a good coach, you get a good vibe, and you know everything gets going. I mean, it's almost kind of like uh, some, uh, it's almost kind of like my soccer team, whole city. They just, you know, got rid of their old ownership, got new owners. They bought fifteen players, and you know, all the fans are going to the games, and it's, you know, it's just a, a positive vibe. So I think I, I like Notre Dame a lot here. Yeah, I do too. Um... And the way that Ohio State, I mean, Oregon was able to go in there, that was one of the weirder wins of college football of last year because when you look back at it, you're like, that made no sense. But the way them and Michigan were able to do it is just kind of slow it down and run it at Ohio State. I think Notre Dame will be able to uh, have some success doing that. Scott Box is with us. They're with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish as well. They're not buying into the uh, Ohio State hype, at least not in terms of that many points there. Um, I hope that one turns into a good game. You know, Vegas is not forecasting it to be a good game per se, but uh, I hope that turns into a good one. Here might be the sneakiest good game of the weekend. Cincinnati going down to Fayetteville to play Arkansas. It is Arkansas minus six in Fayetteville. Where are you going here? Man, I like Arkansas. for some. I'm a big believer in, you know, hiring the right person for the right gig. I mean, I know that everybody's like, Why, what, who's Sam Pittman and, Who's this uh, yes sir guy? It's kind of a kind of a weird, goofy looking guy, but I mean, I think he's done a great job with the program, and uh, it's almost like an Ole Miss situation with Kiffin, you know. And uh, with that being said, I, I like Arkansas. I just think that you know Cincinnati got a you know don't get me wrong, uh, they had a good good season last year and got to the playoff. And you know when you get to step on the field with a an Alabama or, you know, an SEC program, you know, kind of maybe uh, get the fear because I know there was kind of a back in the day whenever um, uh, when Florida and Ohio State were playing the national championship, like everybody, those Ohio State guys knew, you know, Florida was the real deal and, you know, they weren't on that level or same thing with Notre Dame and Alabama. So I just, I think it's going to be a really good game, but I like Arkansas to win by two touchdowns here. Arkansas is the smart play here. I went back and forth on this like five times in Neil's picks, and I took Cincinnati. I'm just going to do that for consistency's sake. I don't love the pick. Um, Cincinnati's got a lot to replace, particularly at the quarterback position. But, damn, Luke Fickle is just really tough. These are two good coaches, and their teams kind of embody, uh, I feel like, the uh, – I don't know. I hate saying mindset, but just like the character of the coach, if that makes any sense at all. Um, and if Cincinnati goes over there and wins a game like that, it's like, okay, this is actually a real program that's sustainable. Like, this is, isn't a huge build for that one. Yeah, year. I mean, they, they, they lost. Like, you pull this yeah, off, many, and it's like, all right, these dudes are like, this is this is something. Yeah. They're moving how many, to 12 next how many, year. That's a game changer. Yeah, how many did Cincinnati lose? I mean, like two, like three or four. I mean, <laughs> pretty big, pretty big number. I mean, I know that Desmond Riddle went to uh, got drafted. So, um, so yeah, I agree. I'm going Cincinnati here. I don't – like I said, I don't feel great about it. Skybox is on – okay, they're on Cincy plus six as well. I was actually pretty surprised by that. So, Skybox is going Cincinnati plus six as well. Let's hop to the Ole Miss-Troy game. It is Ole Miss minus 21 and a half. I really don't have a lot of great analysis with this. I think Jackson Dart is getting the start tomorrow. Wink, wink. Um, but I think both guys will probably play a little bit. Um Troy, this is a lot of points. Ole Miss minus 21 and a half, but I just don't think Troy is very good. It doesn't sound like their defense is very good. They got a new quarterback. They got that other kid coming in from JUCO that's probably not going to play week one at quarterback. I'm just taking the Rebels here. I think Ole Miss has no trouble with Troy. I'm going to take a minus 21 and a half. I was hoping that you would come out with a hot take like uh, King K. Dent's going to come out. and He is a uh, J.A. Raider. <laughs> I mean, you know uh, – those uh, those uh, pri private school um, uh, battles back, you know, they they know they know what what they're getting into, and I think 
Troy is right up his alley. So I'd love for him to get out there on the first series. But yeah, I, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I, I think, you know, just on this is offense is going to click that. Um, Zach Evans comment what he when he last said that he's going to, you know, run really, really mad. I, I just I wouldn't want to be on the other side of trying to tackle that guy. So I think uh, I think he's probably going to run rampant. So I like the Rebs to roll here. Skybox is predicting the Rebels to roll as well. It is uh, Skybox going with Ole Miss minus 21 and a half there. Only a couple games left here. We're going to go to Sunday. Actually, no, no, we're going to keep it on Saturday. Sorry, a couple more games. Um, we're going to go Indiana, Illinois. Indiana, dreadful 2-10 and ten season for our guy Tom Allen last year after a pretty good couple years before that. Uh, Indiana is hosting Illinois. I'm going to make sure Skybox has this line correct. I want to make sure this is not a typo by Skybox here. It is – no, this has gone – okay, never mind. This game's gotten really weird. It's Indiana minus three is what Skybox got it at. They're going with Illinois plus three. I, I don't usually lead off a of Skybox. I thought that line was a mistake, but it is uh, not. There's something fishy going on with this. By the time I looked at it again, it's now gone to a one-point line, but we'll keep it at three for Skybox sake. Indiana minus three – at home against Illinois, which way are you going? I, I like Illinois. I mean, they had a pretty good game last week. I mean, I, I, obviously, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, test what they have against uh, Wyoming. But, you know, it seems like they handled the Wyoming really well. And, um, you know, who knows? Belima might have some confidence going. Burt's Bert's a pretty good Big Ten coach. Like, I think he'll do pretty well for Illinois' expectations there. Uh, it, he was just bringing that to the SEC West in that division and kind of trying to out Alabama, Alabama, and LSU in that sense. It was always just going to be a tough gig, but he's not a bad football coach. I'm going to go Illinois as well. I just think they're better. Um, I, I think the bloom is off the rose a bit there for Tom Allen in uh, in Bloomington, no pun intended. Skybox going uh, – oh, I already announced that one, plus three as well. So we're Illinois across the board there. We've agreed on the last two picks. That's, uh, that's pretty that's scary. Dangerous. Um, yeah, that's never great. App State, North Carolina. How about this? Is, is App State really good? Or is North Carolina without Sam Howell just not supposed to be pretty good? What would you guess this line is? North Carolina, App State. Uh, now it's in Boone. North Carolina it's, minus seven and a half? It is App State minus one. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would you would think Mac Brown would kind of try to have something else in the, in the, you know, in the gun ready to go after, after what's his name? How? Yeah. Sam Howell. Wow. Um, I would, I, I'm going to go Ar uh, Appalachian state. I, I, I mean, I'm just going to, you know, trust the, the Vegas odds and the, them handicapping this game and situation. I, I just, you know, we're going to go app state. They have no problems uh beating a, you know, a power five team. That's the biggest upset of all time when they beat Michigan. I keep forgetting that I sent the skybox the lines when it, like a, a day before I have the ones up here. They're riding with App State, but they actually got it at plus five. So we're going to keep it at that because that's that's when I like set it for the week. So you're getting App State at plus five. There's been a ton of movement towards App State here because it's now App State minus one and a half. But you actually getting a half a point there. I'm going to go App State as well. I have no feel for this. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but you know whatever. Um, that game's in Boone, North Carolina. That'll be their kind of. Super Bowl, you get the in-state school coming in, the ACC school, the uh, kind of the big bad power five. Yeah, I'm just going to go App State here. I don't really have much other, much other comment other than that. Boone, North Carolina, beautiful part of the country, if anyone remembers that bit from the old radio days. We got two games left. We're going to go with the Sunday night game. It is LSU minus three and a half in the dome against Florida State. Florida State didn't look great against Duquesne last week. Got some offensive line issues, but uh, – an interesting matchup. I don't know if either of these teams are very good, but at least an interesting name brand matchup um, there in New Orleans. LSU minus three and a half. What you got? Well, I mean, I always uh, always think about Norvell's college football picture where they, with the cornrows, and like, oh, I just yeah. can't. That that's the worst picture of all time. So it's hard for me to bet on a guy that looked like that in college, and that is coaching a Power Five program. And then you got. Brian Kelly pretending that he's lived in Louisiana uh, his whole life with his new accent. Um, so we want to call this the terrible ball. I mean, this is just terrible. Uh, but I think uh, LSU just has a little bit better uh, players across the board. So I'm just going to go with LSU. 
I'm going with LSU as well. I think there's more talent in the cupboard that Brian Kelly inherited. Uh, they got a bunch of transfers. But at the end of the day, like no matter who LSU starts at quarterback or what their offense looks like, I don't think Florida State is going to be able to block them up front. And when you can't block, everything else is kind of rendered moot. I'm going with LSU here. I actually really like them in this spot. And so does Skybox. That's three in a row we've all agreed. <laughs> They're on uh, they are on LSU as well. Let's go to the Monday night game to wrap things up. Clemson, Georgia Tech. This is going to be one of those ones. I don't think Georgia Tech is very good this year, but this is, I, I have a feeling this is going to be one of those weird opening night games where like Georgia Tech might play them close, then everyone on the old message boards are like, oh, shit, this is going to be tough. It's like, oh, weird stuff. Ha- like, is it? Weird stuff happens week one. This is in Atlanta. It's the Chick, or excuse me, it's the Chick Fil A kickoff game in Atlanta. So I don't actually know if this is being played on campus, but it is Georgia Tech plus twenty two. I think well, I'm going to have jackets here. Yeah, I mean, why would they have a the the kickoff classic being a conference game? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that either. That's kind of blowing my mind, and I'm guessing because it's the Chick Fil A classic, it's probably not at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Yeah, no, definitely it's in not. the it's in the Mercedes Benz. This makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, see, I mean, again, I mean, there's uh, there, I don't know. I mean, like between Ole Miss being back to back home games first weekend out is they just uh, I, I don't know. That's a head scratch for me. I, I think they should have a a little bit better matchup. I think. I mean, I would think. I, I think the Utah Florida game would have been a good Chick Fil A classic. Like you know, I, I just that's me throwing that out there. I think that's a lot of points. I know Georgia Tech. Uh, I mean, how many years does that guy need to redo the program, you know? Well, I think this might be his last one if it doesn't change. Well, I, know, I mean, I get that uh, the previous guy, did, didn't he run the wishbone? Didn't yeah, the old the triple one? option. They went from Paul Johnson to um, to Jeff Collins, who was at Temple. I've just – I've heard some – take it for what it's worth. I've heard some not-so-great things about the uh, culture inside that building there. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, and who knows what Dabo has this year? I mean, I mean, it's kind of like the first year last year was that that they kind of fell off a little bit and not being in the national contention, uh, kind of weird. But uh, like you're saying, there's a lot of points being put uh, this first week. I'll just um, golly, okay, I'll I'll roll with you. I'll go Georgia Tech. Skybox is going Georgia Tech as well. That means we have agreed on the last four picks. That is a dangerous, dangerous start. To this oh, yeah, $100 four-man parlay. That's all day long right now. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> bound to cash or bound to go 0-4. Who's to say? No, Skybox is on our side. We're going 4-0 on that. They are the professionals. Be sure to check out their picks package. Be sure to check out LBs when you come into town for the game. Pick up some meats to throw on the grill tonight, tomorrow. Enjoy the games all weekend. Pick up some food at LBs for Sunday and Monday because it's a long holiday weekend. I enjoyed it, dude. We will uh, do this again next week with NFL football on the docket. Uh, How about that? The, the the players that get paid. I like it. Love it. Love it. All right, dude, we'll catch you next week. I appreciate the time as always. Like I said, go stop by LBs, and uh, I'll heart you soon. All right, that's our show. Hope you enjoyed the picks. Hope you enjoyed Nick Broker. Um, if you have not gone on the Rebel Grove website, we have a story up about Jackson Dart and his transfer, a piece I've been working on for a week or so, and the misconceptions and uh, realities about darts transferred to Ole Miss. So if you want to check that out, we got it all over social media and on rebelgrove.com. We'll be back at it on Sunday. Michael Borky filling in for the Euro- European vacation bound Weldon Rodenberg. But we'll have all kinds of reaction to Ole Miss's game against Troy and everything else that happened in the college football world. I appreciate you guys listening. As always, you'll have a wonderful weekend.